You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. It's Thursday. I'm so glad to have you with us. Please tag a friend. Let them know we're on. It is Thursday. You can get us on Facebook, YouTube, and always go to Mike Moore Ministries. We're transitioning over into Mike Moore Ministries, so you can always get us there. Listen, we are teaching a series entitled Winning the Marriage Game. Now, this series is for married couples, and and it's going to be a blessing for you. So if you have or in a marriage that's really healthy and you're enjoying it, this will only enhance it. If you're in a marriage and you're just kind of struggling, I believe We're going to give you some tools and we're going to bring stability to that marriage and it's going to be a successful marriage. Now, you may be single. You say, well, I'm not married. Well, if you want to get married, you plan to get married, this can be some good teaching to prep you and prepare you for a a relationship and a situation that will change your life. So getting prepared can be a blessing. We're talking on winning the marriage game. This is lesson three, our third lesson. In lesson one, we were teaching on the subject, the goal of marriage. And we learned in lesson one that the goal of marriage is oneness. Then we went to lesson two. And in lesson two, we were teaching on the subject, playing together. And we learned that marriage is a team sport. Well, in the third lesson, we're going to teach from the subtopic, playing by the rules, playing by the rules. Let's define the word rule. A rule is a regulation. A rule is a law. A rule is a prescribed guide for conduct or action playing by the rules. Rules are important not only to guide and direct behavior, but rules are important to provide order, predictability, and rules create trust. In the same way that rules are important in sports, rules are important in marriage. Having guidelines are important in marriage. And in the game, uh, in, in sports, when you break the rules, you're penalized. And in some cases, when you break the rules, you're disqualified. Well, breaking rules in marriage bring penalties to the marriage. And in some cases, marriage, marriages end up in divorce because couples are breaking the rule. Here's one thing that I've learned in, in a 
few weeks, my wife and I will be married 44 years. That's a long time, 44 years. And I have learned because I've experienced in my early years of marriage struggle. My wife and I were struggling in our marriage. And at this point in our marriage, we have a wonderful marriage. My wife is my very best friend. I'm her best friend. But I've learned that marriage is not hard when you know what you're doing and you have both spouses committed. Now, listen at that. Marriage is hard in most cases because couples don't know what they're doing. And for years, I didn't know anything about marriage. I did have, and my wife had an example of our parents being married a long time. So we had that going for us. But in terms of marriage, we hadn't read any books on marriage. We didn't even go through premarital counseling. We didn't have any information. So we didn't know what we were doing. So the marriage was hard. But when you know both couples, both persons, both spouses know what you're doing and both are committed to doing the right things in the marriage, then marriage is not hard. We're talking about rules in marriage. We're talking about playing by the rules. Now, I learned some of these things that I'm going to teach you today from a book, a very wonderful book that I came into the knowledge of entitled Marriage on the Rock by Jimmy Evans, Marriage on the Rock. And he began to talk about the laws that govern marriage. So I meditated, began to apply these rules, and then I began to realize that you can have a good marriage if you're intentional about playing by the rules. And there are five rules, basic rules or laws to marriage found in Genesis 2, 24 through 25. Once I learned these laws, basic laws that govern marriage, I realized that when I counsel, counsel married couples, 100% of the time, 100% of the time, when couples are experiencing marital problems is because they are breaking one or more of these rules. So let's get into it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 through 25, the authorized King James Version is our background text. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, 
and were not ashamed. That's Genesis 2, 24 through 25. There are some key words in the text. Key words. Leave. Cleave. One flesh. Naked. Leave. Cleave. One flesh. Naked. Now, there are five rules or laws that govern marriage. When you play by the rules, you will have a happy, mutual, fulfilling marriage. So the first law of marriage is the law of priority, the law of priority. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother. In other words, before marriage, the priority in an individual's life, the relational priority is your parents. But then it says a man. In other words, you're no longer a child. You're a man. He must leave father and mother. She must leave father and mother. That's the law of priority. A priority is a thing or a person that we regard or treat as more important than another person or thing. A priority is a thing or a person that we regard or treat as more important than another, a priority. The Bible communicates that God is a God of order. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 33 and 40, it says that God is not the author of confusion. It, he says, let everything be done decently and in order. In other words, let everything be done in a fitting, proper way and in order, rank, sequence. One, two, three is order. A, B, C is order. Three, one, two is disorder. C, A, B is disorder. Let everything be done decently in order. And God has a divine order in the family, in, in marriage. That order is always God is first, your spouse is second, and if you have children, your children are third. God, spouse, children. Now, there are some debate concerning the remainder of the order. But this is how I would put it. God, spouse, children, number three. Number four, I would put your local church, if you have a good local church that's feeding you God's word. I would put your local church four. I would put maybe a work career next, 
five. Number six, extended family, friends. Some people will swap that and put extended family, friends before work, career. And then I will put others, others. So God should always be first in our lives. Our spouse, if we're married, should always be number two in our lives. Number three should be our children. Number four, our local church. The reason I put local church there, if you're in a good church, the ministry of the word that you're hearing consistently, and that's what you will hear in a good church, it will impact your decision-making I'm not just talking about the building. I'm not just talking about religious stuff. I'm saying that if you're in a good church and you're being fed and instructed in the word, then much of your decision making is going to flow out of what you're learning in that good environment, good teaching environment. That's the reason I put it number four, not because uh, it, it, the building and, and the religion of it. I'm saying that what you're being fed consistently impacts your life and the quality of your life. Then I put work, career, extended family and friends, and then other. Now, the law law priority requires that you prove them. You have to prove your priorities. Well, how do I prove that my God is a priority? How do I prove that uh, my wife or my husband is a priority? How do I uh, I prove my children are priorities? You prove it by time, money, and energy. Time, money, energy. Anything that's a priority, you will invest time, money, and energy, or time, energy, money. You will invest in it. If it's a priority, you can't say some is a priority. You can't say your spouse is a priority and you never spend time with her or him. You can't say your children are a priority. You never spend time with your children. Time, energy, money, resources. Anything that's a priority, you have to invest in it. Marriage will not work if the priorities are misplaced. Marriage will not work if the priorities are out of order. If you're putting your spouse before God, or if you're putting your children before your spouse, or if you're putting work before your spouse, then your priorities are out of order. God is not the author of confusion. Misplaced priorities creates legitimate jealousy. Now, early in our marriage, we had some some priority uh, dysfunction, if you allow me to put it like that. My priority, unfortunately, was church. You know, I had this strange thing that my job as a pastor, I had it all mixed up, that it was God's. You know, this is God. So I had it before my wife. Well, her priorities were a little mixed up, too. She had the children before me. In fact, I used to tell her, we were having marital problems. I used to tell her, I said, now, 
if you have to choose before, choose me or the children, I know I'm going to lose every time. But marriage will not work. She had a legitimate jealousy of the church, and I had a legitimate jealousy of the children. Not that I didn't love my children. I, I adored my children. But anytime your priorities are off, the marriage will not work. So... You may have a different list, but the first three has to be that. God, spouse, children. You may have you may put it in a little different order. So on a scale of one to ten, with ten being your priorities really in the right order, how do you grade yourself? Both of you, husband, wife, how do you grade your marriage? On a scale of one to ten, with ten being you have your priorities in the right place and both of you are in agreement with it. Sometimes you have to you have to grade yourself separate and then you add it together. For example, if the husband said, Well, we are seven, and the wife says, Well, we are four, you know, you have to add those together. Four and seven is eleven divided by two. No, you're a five and a half. You're five and a half. So Grade yourself. Let's talk about the next law. The next law is the law of pursuit. It says, and a man shall cleave to his wife. The word cleave means to pursue with energy and diligence. Pursue with energy and diligence. Now, how do I pursue with energy and diligence? Now, we move from priority. I've got a treat my spouse as more important than other persons and things. So what is this pursuit business? It's investing in your relationship. In other words, you're going to pursue it with intentionality. You're going to invest words in your marriage, healthy words, good words, like, I love you. I appreciate you. You're my best friend. You've got to invest words. You've got to invest time. You have to spend time with your spouse. Now, if you work three and four jobs and you see your wife, as they say, coming and going, y'all just missing each other, may see each other for a moment, but you're engaged in all this other stuff, then your marriage is not a priority. You're not investing in it. Doing things you both enjoy, pursue it. A date day or a date night. We used to, Monday used to be our time. You know, it's when I said I'm not counseling, I'm not preaching, I'm not doing anything on Mondays. That's going to be Pete's day. And Pete is my wife's nickname. We're going to use Monday. Well, as time going on, we don't just get together on Mondays. In fact, we get together all the time. I enjoy being with her. She enjoys being with me. In marriage, you have to invest in it. You gotta, you gotta put something in it. You gotta pursue it. You have to be intentional about having a good marriage. Now, I want to ask you a question. In your marriage, is your marriage different now than when you were dating? Is your marriage different now? than when you were dating. Now, the obvious answer is, of course it's different. 
of course. But what I'm really dealing with is when you were dating, most of you, I know when Pete and I were dating, we were intentional about getting together. We were intentional about what we said to each other. We were intentional about spending time, quality time together. And then we would get together and we, we started dating in college, and then we would be on the phone. Now, we spent time, and then we were going to talk most of the night while we were pursuing each other. There was some intentionality. Marriage does not work on autopilot. You cannot put your marriage on autopilot. Don't invest anything in it. No intentionality to build it, to make it stronger, to make it healthy. There's no intentionality. You just put it on autopilot and that marriage plane is going to fly. No, it's going to crash. It is going to crash. The Spirit of God said this to me years ago, years ago, years ago. He said, if married couples did, what they are now doing, they would have never gotten married. If married couples did, remember how you were when you were dating. You remember how it was, how you couldn't wait to see the person. You were very intentional. You were giving that person things, doing certain things. You wanted that relationship. So you were pursuing it with intentionality. Yet now, after we're together for a while, we don't pursue it anymore. Some people come home, they read the papers. Well, people don't read the papers anymore, but they come home and they get on their phones or their computers or TV or whatever, and they never really spend quality time alone with each other. They never invested. And sometimes the kids come along and they spend time with the kids, but they never really spend quality time investing in that relationship like they did when they were dating. And that's what God was saying. If married couples did what they are now doing, they would have never gotten married. In other words, if you had operated on the same level while you were dating, there's a good chance you never would have married that person. Why? Because the relationship now, and I'm talking to some of you, it's on autopilot. I mean, you're not investing in anything. You don't say nice things to each other. You don't give each other anything. You don't spend time, quality time with each other. So you're not, you're breaking the law of pursuit. So great yourself. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being really, you got this law of pursuit. You really investing, you spending time, you, you're doing great things with each other. You intent, you building that thing. You really building this marriage. You want your wife to know you love her. You want your husband to know I'm in it with you and I love you and I like being with you. Well, grade yourself. How are you a 10? Are you a zero? Are you a five? Great yourself, then put your score together. If he says four, you says three, that's eight. You're four. You're dividing it by two. Great yourself. Let's talk about the third law. The third law is the law of agreement. 
agreement. And it says, and they shall be one. I'm talking from the text. They shall be one. Agreement means to flow together. It means to play together. It means to be on the same page. Are you on the same page? Now, there are some keys that I have that I've listed to agreement. Four of them. I'll give you an overview. We'll come back and quickly walk through it. The first key to uh, agreement is understanding that marriage is a team sport. Number two, communication. Number three, role clarity. Number four, mutual respect. Okay, let's look at this. The first key to agreement in the marriage is what we talked about in our last session, playing together. Understanding that the marriage is a team sport. First Peter 3, 7, we'll quote it again for you. Husbands likewise dwell with them, wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now notice, heirs together, heirs together. You will never have agreement without or apart from understanding that marriage is a team sport. You have to, you can't have agreement if you don't understand that it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. The second key to agreement is in communication. Listen, if in, in any sport, whether it's baseball or basketball or football, <clears throat> communication is critical. In football, there there uh, communication going from coaches on the sideline. They're flashing signals to the players on the field. The defense come off the field. They're talking. The offense come off the field. They're talking in the, the huddle. They call a huddle before the players run. They are communicating in baseball. They're flashing signals. The, the catcher is giving signals to the pitcher on which pitch to throw. The outfielders or fielders are giving signs to each other. They're shifting in basketball. They're running down the court. They're talking to each other, communicating. I got this one. Watch over here, your man, I got your man. Communication in sports is critical. In marriage, it is critical. You're never going to have agreement if you don't talk to each other. Now, role clarity is the key. Role clarity. In, in other words, what's your role? Who's going to call the shots in this? Who's responsible for this? Division of labor. Who's going to handle getting the cars repaired? Who's going to handle decorating the home? Who's going to handle this with the children? Who's going to handle that with the children? When we were growing up, my wife dealt mostly with that academic thing. I didn't work a lot on their projects. I handled the spiritual things. I dealt with the Bible study with them. And we had a division of labor. There are certain things that we're responsible for in our marriage. 
And I know, and I expect her to do certain things. She expect me to do certain things. Role clarity is a key to agreement. Mutual respect, mutual respect. You have to have mutual respect because you bring to the table, each one of you bring to the table uniqueness. My wife is totally different than I am. I'm totally different than she is. Just like a key in a lock is different. You got the lock, you got the key, and they both have to have respect. You don't want two keys. You don't want two locks. One is a lock, one is a key. You bring into that relationship uniqueness, and you have to have mutual respect. You respect the person's uniqueness. You accept their uniqueness. You're never going to have agreement until you have mutual respect, accepting the uniqueness of others. So agreement. If two shall agree, is touching anything that they ask. Nothing is impossible if you have agreement. So let me ask you a question. On a scale of one to 10, rate your marriage. Both of you, husband, how do you rate your, rate your marriage? Wife, how do you rate your marriage? Now put your scores together, divide it by two, and you have where you are. Now, let's look at the fourth law of marriage. Whenever I'm counseling, I listen because when I'm listening, I can tell whether they've broken the law. They've broken this rule of marriage. The fourth rule of marriage is the law of possessions. This is a law that in our age, many married couples just totally ignore it. Now, I get over to something. You may disagree. It's all right. We're still friends. I'm not mad at you. If it's working, Handle your business. I'm just talking from the Bible. It said they shall be one flesh, law possessions. Marriage now is a covenant relationship. It's not a contract. It is a contract, but it's more than a contract. Covenant relationship. God intended marriage to be a covenant relationship. Now watch this. In covenant, all things previously owned, and managed separately are now owned and managed jointly. Now, I said that again. We're talking covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It's not just a contract. It is a covenant. In covenant, all things previously owned and managed separately are now equally owned and managed jointly. In other words, the assets, this will include your body. Now, when I was single, I could do what I want with my body inside of scriptural guidelines. I want accountable to nobody else. P could do what she wanted with her body. She want accountable. But once we got married now, the scripture says her body is mine and my body is hers. So I have some say about her body. Now watch this. The scripture, this law will also include finances. Whatever I bring in and my debts, what she bring in in assets, finances, and debts, they are now equally shared and owned. Children equally shared and managed jointly. Now, 
Watch this. Now, sometimes it's a, a, a marriage where you were previously married, divorced or widowed or whatever, and now you're bringing kids into this marriage and parents, the kids have a parent outside. You got to respect those parents outside and their authority over the kids. But at the same time, there should be some agreement on how you're going to relate to the kids. And even if my wife is bringing kids into the marriage that I'm not their natural father, I still should have some say in since we're going to all be in the same house. And the same would be if I'm bringing kids into a relationship that my wife did not give birth to, then she should have some say. And that's where your communication come in. at. But it includes your assets. It includes property, wealth, uh, decision making. And the foundation of this law is trust. And I know in some cases you may have to separate things because you have one person making unilateral decisions without talking to the other person and you don't have that trust. So you may have to go to plan B. But this is God's order. Prenuptial agreements was never God's idea. In other words, I'm going to protect my wife from these assets. So I bring these assets. I sign an agreement. You can't touch these in case we get a divorce. I got mine. You got yours. And you can't take mine because it's mine. And I can't take yours because it's yours. Now, that's a marriage built off primarily distrust. Now, if you feel it's okay, I'm good with it. But I'm talking about biblically everything that we own and manage separately once we get married. That's where trust come in. It's mutually owned, mutually shared. Then, okay, on a scale of one to ten, how are you doing with that law? Finally, number five, let's do this in closing. This is the law of transparency. And they were both naked. Still going back to our text. Adam and Eve were both naked. Now, they were naked in their bodies and their flesh. So there's a nakedness there. But the word naked literally means nothing hidden before God, nothing hidden before one another. And there's an openness. This nakedness would include my body. It would include my thoughts. We're transparent. What are you thinking? You're communicating and you're open with your thoughts. It would include your emotions. What are you feeling? I want to know what my wife is feeling. She should want to know what I'm feeling. It's transparent with our spiritual life. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to me? Socially, transparency when it comes to friends and relationships. Now, I'm not implying that you all have to have the same friends. It would be good if you have some friends that are a mutual uh, relationship between both of you. But I don't personally think it's nothing wrong with your spouse having a friend. That's not your personal friend. But I think there should be transparency. You know, my wife has friends that I'm aware of. But they are not my personal friends where we're doing things together. And there I have some friends, but they are not necessarily personal friends where Pete is doing things with them together. But there should be transparency. If I'm going to be 
at lunch with somebody, and especially if it's a female, if I'm going to be in a lunch, and I know people have different rules about that, okay, but my, uh, there are females on my board of directors at our church. There are females on my staff. I have a female campus pastor. So it is just really, really difficult to never be with a female for lunch. We may be in a meeting. We may be talking about church. And to be honest with you, for me, it's safer for me to be with a female at lunch in public than to be with her in private. Because in public, everybody's watching. But even if I'm with someone, I'm not having a secret friend. I don't have a secret rendezvous. I'm telling my wife, okay, I am eating lunch with this person. He knows I'm eating lunch. She knows who I'm with. So we're not doing this secret stuff. You know, we're not sneaking around and transparency. No, transparency is being open. And the key to transparency is honesty, purity, and environment. Honesty, You can't have transparency if you're lying. You can't be lying in your marriage and it's going to work. You've got to have purity. You're not going to be sharing your bodies with everybody. Okay. You're not going to be giving your body to everybody. Your wife, your husband's bodies belong to your spouse, not everybody else. Okay. You can't have transparency if you slip inside and ducking and hiding. Okay. And then thirdly, there has to be an environment where you can share your opinions, your thoughts, your ideas without being judged or embarrassed. You can't have transparency. If I'm going to be open with you, you know, for example, if a spouse is being tempted, I know this can be tough for some people. I think it's better for you to be able to say to your spouse, I am being tempted. I said that years ago to my wife. I said, I am being tempted. Now, why would I tell her that? I wouldn't tell her that because I wanted to do something crazy. I wanted her to know she's a part of my protection. I wanted her to know. Now, I know some people don't have that kind of relationship. If you your spouse told you you were tempted, you go all off and start cursing and fussing and all that kind of stuff. Temptation is not a sin. We've got to create an environment that's open and honest. And you should want your spouse to be able to share with you, but you have to create an environment where he or she can share her deepest thoughts, his deepest thoughts, feelings, opinions without embarrassment or judgment. The law of transparency simply means we're going to be naked with each other. We're not going to have secret people we hanging out with. We don't want our spouse to know. We're not going to have secrets this and secret money over here that we handling money, but our spouse don't know about this. We got secret income coming in, but we don't want our spouse to know. No, it's the law of transparency, openness, honesty, purity. Now, let me ask you a question as I close. How are you doing with the law of transparency? On a grade, on a on a grade of one to ten, grade your relationship. Now, we covered, 
We're talking about plan in this session, plan by the rules. Five laws, the law of priority, the law of pursuit, the law of agreement, the law of possessions, and the law of transparency. Whenever you're doing well, it's because you are playing by the rules. Whenever you're struggling in your marriage, it's easy to know what the problem is because somewhere one or more of these rules, you and or you or your spouse is breaking the rule. And that's why you're being penalized, okay? And no one ever, no couple ever got a divorce that were playing by the rules. It's impossible to play by the rules that govern marriage, the laws of marriage, and get a divorce. That's impossible. I pray that this bless you. I pray that it's made a difference in your life. Listen, we have a ways to go. This is just our third session. We're going to share with you about five more sessions. It's going to be great. You're going to get blessed. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.